What's up, Beardos? You're listening to episode 117 of The Bearded Vegans. Basically, our whole philosophy boils down to, don't be a jerk. Don't really answer the question first. I'm not answering the question. I really hope people didn't tune in to hear us talk about beards. Welcome to the show. I'm Paul. And I'm Andy. And we are the Bearded Vegans, a podcast featuring a dissection of all things vegan. If you're just tuning in for the first time, you can find all of our previous episodes at thebeardedvegans.com. And you can always reach us by emailing thebeardedvegans at gmail.com. In today's episode, we wrap up our winter break retro film review series with an in-depth review of Forks Over Knives. It's finally happening. The moment you've been waiting for. (laughs) I've actually been like dreading it. For some reason, I kept putting off watching it in order to do this review because I was like... (laughs) another 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 one of these documentaries and this thing that i was excited for i started to dread because i was like it's just do we have anything new to say about this film when we've talked about all these other films but but that dread didn't stop you from sending sending me videos of t colin campbell when you were watching it (laughs) good old (laughs) t-pock and just a quick announcement before we dig into this review it's episode 117 and every 10 episodes we do a mailbag so episode 120 is coming up fast we want your questions comments and concerns you can email those to us at thebeardedvegans at gmail.com for consideration to be answered on the podcast and we, we always enjoy those it's always fun to hear from people especially because we're at the in theory the tail end of a break even though we're recording this advance (laughs) and also don't forget that during our mailbag episodes we announced three winners for our ongoing itunes review contest so if you want to win a bearded vegans button and sticker all you have to do is go leave us an itunes review any amount of stars but we appreciate the five stars <laughs> it can't just be a rating I actually have to write something down or else we won't know your name but we use a random number generator to choose three people on the mailbag episode so if you want to help us out and maybe win some free stuff go go ahead and leave those reviews yeah yeah I'm I'm excited to get back into our regularly scheduled program. It's been a good break. It's been a much needed break, but missed missed dissecting eco Razzi articles with you, Andy. <laughs> yes, indeed. So if for some reason you missed any of the previous episodes, this is the last of our retro film review winter break series where we are revisiting some older films. We're doing this as a way for us to have a little bit of a break. It's not a full break, but it's a break from constantly having to think about current events and being on top of everything. So we're recording these reviews in advance and putting them out in order. And we, it's just a, a fun way for us to check in, out these old films that we keep mentioning on the podcast, but they came out before the podcast was a thing. So we're going to see how they stack up to what has come out since. And this one in particular is a film that we've been wanting to do for so, so long because we've talked about so many of these plant-based health documentaries and and many of them we, we see as sort of being preceded by Forks Over Knives. So we can't help but compare it to those. So if this is your first time, this is uh, sort of an abbreviated version of what the podcast is normally like, but I think it's still going to be fun nonetheless. So, Paul... With that said, yes, <laughs> with that said, let's dive into our review of Forks Over Knives. This could be the first generation of children in the United States that lives less than its parents. I got two pills I take for my 
diabetes, then I got one for cholesterol, high blood pressure, and then I take Bieta, which is an injectable. I'm getting really shaky and I'm sick and I'm fatigued and that's when they diagnosed me with hypertension and diabetes. Obesity, diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure costs this country more than $120 billion each year. People are saying, you're crazy. You're a cancer patient. You should be resting. Doctors told me this. When I had the second heart attack, the doctor said, I should prepare for death. Heart disease is an absolutely toothless paper tiger that need never, ever exist. People who were raised in Japan, the Philippines, Korea, China, never had heart disease, prostate cancer, colon cancer, breast cancer, rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis. This is the atlas of cancer mortality in China. Virtually the Western diet was non-existent. They had no animal products, they had no dairy, no meat. We learned that we could turn on and turn off cancer growth just by adjusting the level of intake of that protein. I knew at that point what caused most diseases. Our national authorities are simply excluding this concept in order to protect the status quo. So Forks Over Knives is a film that came out in 2011. At the time of recording this, it's, it's seven years old, Paul. It's mm. a old film, old film, the granddaddy. <laughs> it feels older to me for some reason. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about why that might be in a second. <laughs> and in you know, some of our reviews, we have a spoiler-free section I don't really think there's anything to spoil here. So we will have like a general thoughts and then we'll dig into the minutia of the whole thing. But there's not going to be a spoiler free section. So be warned if you haven't seen this film and for some reason, for some reason you want to enter into it, not knowing anything, you can go see it on Netflix right now. I'm sure there's copies on YouTube or something. But the plot synopsis from IMDb, Forks Over Knives examines the profound claim that most, if not all, of the degenerative diseases that afflict us can be controlled or even reversed by rejecting our present menu of animal-based and processed foods. So this is a film that is directed by Lee Fulkerson, who is also a bit of the, I guess you could say, main protagonist that's leading us through this journey. And it also features a cast of all the old white male doctors that you've seen in literally every documentary since then has come out. Paul. Yes, Andy? When was the last time you saw Forks Over Knives? Well, this is the thing. I I think... When we when we first announced that we were going to do this, I, I think it's it's on recording. It might have been off off mic, but I think I said to you something like, "Yeah, I think I watched Folks Over Knives in two thousand eight or two thousand nine." To which you replied, "No, you didn't, Paul, because it came out in two thousand eleven." Uh huh. <laughs> but so in my mind, I watched it in two thousand nine. But in reality, I must have watched it around two thousand eleven or two thousand twelve because I remember watching it. When I was in college, I remember showing my parents and I I remember it was when I was, to me, it was when I was very newly vegan, but in 2011, I must've been a year or two into veganism. So it's kind of this weird time thing where I don't exactly know when I watched it, but I would guess it was around 2011. Yeah. I think I revisited it perhaps three or four years ago when I was traveling around doing vegan education work on college campuses and a lot of people would tell me that they had seen forks over knives and at the time i was traveling showing people footage of you know the animal agriculture system and the inherent cruelty within it and a lot of people would say oh i've seen forks over knives so i've seen all the stuff you're showing me already uh and and so i rewatched forks over knives to see 
how accurate that actually was. And I'm like, oh, almost none of the stuff that we show in our <laughs> little video here, our little four minute video is actually in Forks Over Knives. Yeah. But yeah, so that, that was many years ago and prior to doing the podcast and, and examining the ins and outs of all these vegan documentaries. And so this is a film that follows Lee Fulkerson, who is sort of your average everyday guy who eats animal-based foods and drinks a lot of Red Bull and Coke. And Can I just say, Eddie? One of the first, so there's like a, a, one of the first lines in the movie that's said by an actual person, not like a news clip, is Lee Fulkerson getting into his car and being like, oh yeah, I had these two Red Bulls on my way over to the interview. <laughs> and I was like, how is this man not jumping off the walls? And he just has this very monotone voice. And, and I was just like, what does he sound like when he's not <laughs> had two Red Bulls? Yeah, I was like, whoa, 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 Lee, calm down. You're a little too energetic right now. <laughs> but so it, it follows him, but it also follows the rise of one of our favorites, T. Colin Campbell, mm-hmm. as well as uh, Caldwell Esselstyn, who have kind of similar journeys in their life. They started out, they were in families that were heavily invested in animal agriculture, you know, dairy operations, and they went off, they went to medical school, and through their various paths sort of started to realize that animal protein especially, but the film is also kind of about processed foods and sugar and oil to some extent, and they sort of discover, oh, eating animals is bad for us, And here's all the medical research that we've done to come to that conclusion. And then also sprinkles in these little personal stories of people that are having health issues and decide to visit doctors that tell them you should eat this whole food plant-based diet and the results that come from that. And that's basically the whole narrative thrust of the film. So, Paul, with, with all of that exposition out of the way and having revisited this film... <laughs> What are your general thoughts on the granddaddy of these these plant-based documentaries, Forks Over Knives? I think that it, it still, it, it falls into the trap that a lot of the other health documentaries fall into. And, and I'm sure we'll get into all of those nits that we have to pick. But, like, overall, I still enjoyed watching it. I, I liked that, unlike, um, I think it was What the Health... The, unlike some of the other ones, they didn't kind of throw talking heads at you like everyone had one sentence to say and then it would go to another person. They have one sentence to say and like this smash cut of 30 different people. This felt to me more like they had a smaller cast and each person said more, which I I, I think I like that as a as a device to get this information across. I get that uh, the other movies that do that is more so being like, look how many people we have that are saying this information. So it must be true versus <laughs> having a few people say the information. And then, and then as the, I, I know for a fact, there are tons of, there's like websites devoted to how this is not a like scientifically accurate movie or how the China study is not scientifically accurate. But, you know, I, I think that that's the danger you face when you just have a few people saying this, but I, as, as in terms of as a viewer, I liked that a little bit better. I I did also because there's no there's no narrative plot. Like yeah, you're following this one guy's journey, but his journey is no different than any of the other people that that they bring on. And they're like, oh, I was like this, and now I'm like this. It's like that part's not really exciting. When you say this, this one guy, who are you talking about? 
the the filmmaker Lee Fulkerson. Uh, oh, Lee Fulkerson, yeah, yeah. Okay. But I did kind of enjoy Esselstyn and T. Colin Campbell, their kind, like their history and how, like that's the closest we got to. I feel like a a plot where it's like these two these two guys making it coming from similar backgrounds and going similar paths and then like finally they meet and finally they they work and, and it's like i forget how they how they frame it but it's like oh and and um esselstyn was was doing the smaller more personal study and t colin campbell was doing the the large scale study and all they needed to do was combine their information and i don't know it, it was like very built up and that's the most i feel like narrative uh, like element that you get to the movie and i kind of liked it I was, yeah. I was like I was like rooting for him. <laughs> <laughs> I am on board for the the dramatized version of this story, which is a rom com with yeah. hunky young T. Colin Campbell, who looks kind of like a young Bernie Sanders. I, I will say it, it showed both of them as like as in college. They were both very handsome men. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just like I, I need that to happen. I need that film to happen, and it needs to be played out like a rom com. And then they finally meet at the end, and there's yeah. a twinkle in their eyes, and very romantic yeah i i enjoyed their journeys i definitely thought that that was really interesting something they touch on a little bit later on in the film is this idea of bias and this is something that a lot of reviews that are negative towards forks over knives bring up is well these are all vegan doctors and so obviously they're biased in what they're presenting and i like that t colin campbell addresses that and he's like my family this is their business. I was raised in this. And of course I had a bias. And then I learned this information and I changed my worldview or I changed my view on this particular subject because of it. So it's not like, I like that he's kind of framing it. Like I wasn't born vegan. It's not like I was indoctrinated into this. Like it was a religion or something. This is something that I came into on my own. And now I'm trying to educate other people on that. So I so I like that they did dive into both of their backstories, uh, T. Colin Campbell and uh, and Esselstyn there, because it shows that they are people that seem to be very unlikely candidates to be the ones that are presenting this message to the world. Yeah, yeah. I, was it? There was one line talking about bias, and I forget who said it, but I feel like it was a guy that that was his only line in the movie talking about bias, and I couldn't tell if he was pro plant-based or anti-plant-based because they had maybe one or two other people who were kind of the other representing the other side. Do you, do you remember the person I'm talking about? I, I forget his name, but yeah, I believe there was two people, one of which was uh, Connie Dickman, who was the former head of the American dietetic association. And I did not write down the name of the guy that you're talking about. But he is the person that T. Colin Campbell responds to with his little line about bias. Yeah, and I thought that was a cool. It was it was well well cut together. It was a good zinger, <laughs> good good slam. The film, yeah, the film definitely sets up uh, T. Colin Campbell to succeed by allowing him to rebut the very few opposing viewpoints that are presented in the film. Like, and I'd like to talk about that strategy a little bit more later on. But, like, there'll be the opposing viewpoint, and then he immediately rebuts it and, like, kind of shuts it down right away, which is kind of interesting. It had me reflecting on how much we loved how they presented opposing viewpoints in our If a Tree Falls review, which felt like a much more honest way to sort of say, here's these two viewpoints. 
and let's put them up against each other and you can decide what you think. And I guess maybe with with Infantry Falls, it's talking a lot more about ethical things, which there's a little more leeway in terms of interpretation, whereas with this, it's supposedly scientific data and there shouldn't be any misinterpretation there. So I don't know. I don't know if what if a tree falls does is able to be done within a like a health based documentary, but I kind of it had me pining for the the nuance of if a tree falls when we were watching this. Yeah, and I do get what you're saying that I don't know how they would do it, but and I don't know if this is how many people watch movies, but or just consume media. But when I'm taking in something like this, even if it's something that I'm, I'm pro I'm pro, you know, a a vegan plant-based diet, even, even so I'm still hesitant when I'm, when I can see kind of the inner workings of how they're constructing those certain parts and how it's kind of, it's leading the, it's leading the viewer to make a certain conclusion versus letting the viewer make their own conclusion. And I yeah. feel like it's so much stronger to let someone make their own conclusion than to, than to kind of fabricate the way things are edited or, or what's said in order to, to, to make it seem like, Oh, the way that this movie's edited, we're supposed to think that this person is wrong. And what that person is saying is that Derry's good. So therefore I should believe that Derry's wrong. Like I want to believe that Derry's wrong for my own, because I've taken in the information and come to that conclusion rather than having them say, this is the conclusion. So this is your takeaway. Yeah. And I think that that type of presentation is the thing that will sort of push people away that aren't super receptive to the message that, that when people feel like they're being preached to and told how to think that they're usually less likely to sort of go along with it. So I, I, and I, and certainly in preparation for this interview of all the films that were doing this little retro film review series, I think Forks and Knives is the one that had the most, public attention a lot of the things we were looking at were very much ones that were kind of just circulated within our little movement and didn't really get too much notoriety outside of it and this is one that is as far as i know maybe there's some some i'm sure there's some other things that predate it but as far as i can recall in my time as a vegan this was the first film that came out that everyone's like oh my god everyone needs to see this there was a lot of reviews for it there's a lot of press and then as you already mentioned paul there was a lot of rebuttals that came out to the film as well and actually in preparation for the interview i was like oh this will be really fun we're going to really dive into the science and see what stands up what doesn't and there is just a tidal wave of information out there that's sort of the rebuttal and then the rebuttal to the rebuttal. And then it just keeps going back and forth on and on forever to the point where just like with what the health I'm like, I might throw my hands up in the air. I don't really know what's going on. But before we, before we get into the minutia, I guess I'll give my kind of overall thoughts on this film because when it initially came out, I think I was very enthralled with this film I think I was so excited to see a documentary that that represented something pretty close to what I wanted to the world to see. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I, I think even back then I recognized it wasn't perfect. They don't, you know, they don't. They barely say the word vegan. I think if it wasn't for one or two interviews, the the word vegan wouldn't be in there at all. There's not really an animal rights message in there, and and so I was like, ah, it's not perfect, but we finally have something. <clears throat> 
And so I thought it was a lot more exciting back then. And upon watching it now, I feel like it's an incredibly dull film. <laughs> it's a very wooden film and I you know I don't want to disparage Lee Fulkerson like you can't help who you are but I don't know if he was the best person to present this story to everyone he wasn't particularly charismatic he he wasn't enough of an everyman like for instance like uh, Kip from Cowspiracy and What the Health I feel like he was easier to relate to he wasn't enough of a character like a, like a Michael Moore or even uh, Mark DeVries from Speciesism, who we who found to be very personable and and funny to watch. And he he just was sort of this blank slate that I couldn't really penetrate. And his his narration, it, I was like, wow, why did they choose this guy to narrate? And I was like, oh, okay, this is the filmmaker. And so so that's tough. I think I'm trying to remember what other documentary it was. Was it Plant Pure Nation, I think, that was just kind of like this very not interesting people leading the charge, but it's like, well, they're the ones making the film, so of course they want to put themselves front and center. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah, so I don't know. To me, it was just, it felt like a missed opportunity because I think unless you're someone that was like really interested in this topic, it wouldn't draw you in. And for for all of its faults, you know, What the Health is a film that is, relatively exciting to watch as far as a health-based documentary goes it feels like there's stuff going on you're following someone's journey they're learning things and this to me just wasn't exciting and uh last night i looked on rotten tomatoes and it has a 60 percent rating and a lot of people even when they praised the, the content of the film they said it's a painfully dull watch it's a very wooden and stiff watch and I, I think that's probably how a lot of people would, would come to it. I don't know if it would draw someone in that just was like, oh, maybe this is interesting. Maybe it's not. I don't think a lot of people are going to want to stick with it because it is such a boring. It feels like you're reading an essay as opposed to watching an engaging film. Yeah. I I don't I don't know why, because I agree with all of that. And maybe part of it's just because. I was so into this movie when it came out that now there's some nostalgia to it that makes it so I'm still kind of invested in it, which is very possible. But I wasn't, I wasn't super bored when I was watching it, even though, like you said, like the, the narrator is very monotone. There's not really a super exciting plot or anything like that happening. I, I don't know. I just, something about it. Maybe it's because it's like watching Alien or Blade Runner or something like that. I'm like, this is the first of this of this type of movie. <laughs> How dare you, sir, compare this film to Alien or Blade Runner? <laughs> no, the in first the sense, Alien's a masterpiece. In the sense of, in the sense of, all these other movies have kind of replicated it and and are taking the same would you say they're they're replicants paul oh (laughs) good one andy but do you know what i mean it like all these other movies are just kind of not cookie cutters but they have very similar elements to it both the good and the bad elements of forks over knives yeah and and and, you know you're saying that and and i guess my caveat to all that sort of negative stuff that i just said i still feel like i preferred it to most of the films that came after it yeah, I, yeah. I, I, oh. don't, I don't know why I can't put it into words why that is but for s- something about it was still it was 
different enough. I, I think with particularly with the inclusion of the backstories of T. Colin Campbell and Caldwell Esselstyn, that for some reason made it a lot more interesting. Like it made me feel more invested in the research that was being done, the conclusions that were being made and and sort of learning about their journeys for some reason was was more captivating to me than than some of the information presented in these other documentaries. Yeah, I feel like in in every documentary, health documentary that's come out since then, anytime T. Colin Campbell's in it, the narrator will just say, and T. Colin Campbell wrote the book, The China Study, after doing extensive study. And then T. Colin Campbell will say, what I found was that you can turn off cancer and turn on cancer. And and that's what they all say. But this is kind of this. We get 30 minutes of the that journey. And yeah. and that it's just slightly more exciting than him saying that. I'll also say something that surprised me. This movie does not rail on oil as much as a lot of the other movies. There's that one that one info graphic that shows someone's stomach and it says 500 calories of plants will fill up your stomach 500 calories of animal products will fill up your stomach halfway and 500 calories of oil will fill up your stomach only a little bit i feel like all these other movies saw that and were like we need to make a movie that's just about this concept (laughs) that's gonna be the next magic school bus episode as they go into a stomach filled with oil (laughs) Mm. but but you know what i mean as far as i know I, i mean i'm sure they made they they said other things that were like because I know at some point T. Colin Campbell, when he's on, I forget, it was some it was one of the talk shows, some talk show on TV, and and the person's like, oh, do you think that uh, we shouldn't eat animal products? And he says, we should eat plant-based products. And then he corrects himself and he says, like, whole grain plant-based products or something like that. So it's they're saying things that are leading to those same kind of no oil, no refined sugar type type of deal, but they don't. I feel like they don't, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you'll disagree with me. I feel like they don't food shame (laughs) vegan foods as much as a lot of the other movies do as much as they definitely do it to some extent, but yeah, because there's people talking about like, Oh, I used to eat donuts and stuff like that. And now I don't eat that. They don't mention, they don't mention, Oh, I used to eat uh, non-vegan donuts now i eat vegan donuts they just say i used to eat donuts and now i don't eat that so they're not specifically railing on the vegan food but i feel like in general they don't put down vegan foods as much as some of the other ones do yeah yeah i guess i can agree with that that's an aspect of the film that i hadn't really thought about when i when i think about forks over knives i don't think about a film that's telling you not to eat oil and sugar but that message is there it's just underplayed and it's most prominent when they just kind of say a whole foods plant-based diet and they don't really spell out what that is particularly like yeah they don't demonize oil they're not Penn Jillette doing your popcorn <laughs> test in whatever whatever film that was yeah and, you know but that is a part of it like there's no way any of those doctors are saying I mean they have like Dr. McDougal who's a pretty notorious fat shamer and food shamer in there and and they don't they don't like say outright like you're evil if you eat oil and sugar and that's like the worst thing for you but it's almost it's it's implied in many ways, like I said, because they're saying whole food plant-based diet, but also because all of the like before diet stuff they show is fast food and soda and French fries and things like that. 
And that's a common thread that I saw throughout almost every single debunking of Forks Over Knives that I read in preparation for this review was that people complained that the film kind of presents only two very black and white options. You're either eating the standard American diet, sad, which is all the processed stuff and all the fast food and chips and soda and not a lot of plants and maybe eat some steamed broccoli every now and then, or you're eating their version of a vegan diet, a whole food plant-based diet doesn't have oil, doesn't have sugar, all these things. And people say, well, what about other variations of these diets? And is it really the meat? A lot of people fixate on the meat, even though I think the film, like it does, but it also, again, points out sugar, oil, all those things. People fixate on that and they say, well, is it really the meat or is it the fact that people are dropping sugar and all these processed carbs and all of these things from their diet? And like, why don't they address that? Like, what about someone that eats a whole food plant based diet with the exception of some, you know, wild caught salmon or the occasional backyard egg or something like that? They never address that. And mm-hmm. that's that's something that I wish this film did. It's it's something that a film like Cowspiracy did incredibly well, where they present the main premise, and then they go through the list of objections. It's like they made the film, showed it to people, and then every objection someone had at a test screening, they then made a small segment on it. Well, yeah. what about backyard raised? What about local? <laughs> what about grass fed? What about this, this, this? And then they address those things. And this film never really explores the dichotomy that they're presenting right there, the false dichotomy that they're presenting right there. And I think it would have been great for them to add 10 minutes, five minutes, whatever it had to be with someone saying, well, what about a whole food plant-based diet that it does include a few of these little things? Is that so bad for me? And then they have to explain, well, yeah, actually salmon contains these toxins or, you know, whatever it might be. I don't know exactly what they would say. And I, I feel like that's kind of a major failing of the film because people will watch this film and anyone that's really inquisitive will then go and Google this Forks Over Knives debunking as I did, as I do with a lot of documentaries that I watch because I'm trying Mm -hmm. to find all the info. And they're just going to find page after page after page of people debunking this film or saying things like, well, you don't have to do this strictly vegan, you know, raw, whole plant-based kind of diet. You just have to be mindful about what you eat. Eat more vegetables, of course, eat more whatever, but but you don't have to go full vegan. And so I think that this documentary is a very missed opportunity in that regard. And honestly, I mean, I'm just going to say to some extent, those people are probably right. I'm sure that there are many people out there that have a non-vegan lifestyle that have a, quote, healthy cholesterol range and healthy, what like all these other measurements. I'm sure there are many people out there that have those things. And, you know, it only really takes one for to be like, well, this is this is BS. Yeah. And because and you, you think about the main example, Lee Fulkerson, who's leading us through this, like you said, like one of the first spoken lines, it's not a news clip, is him saying, well, I drank these two Red Bulls on the way over here. And, and had some Coke, and I'm always tired. And it's like, I bet if he changed nothing at all but just stopped drinking <laughs> Red Bull and soda, he would probably see a marked improvement in a number of things. Yeah. Not like everything. But I remember 
in college, I just decided I drank soda a lot and I decided I'm not going to drink soda for three months. And I did. And I changed nothing else. And I lost 10 pounds. And I don't yeah. want to like harp on weight loss on the show or anything. But like things like that, it's like, yeah, it, if what if I also started eating a lot more vegetables during that time period? And would I and would I then be a, a, attributing the weight loss from the lack of soda to the increase in vegetable foods? And you know, the, I don't know the answer to that, but I think these are the things that people will really pick apart. Yeah. And and I and I think you're you're absolutely right that this film doesn't prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that you can't have any animal foods in your diet if you're looking at this strictly from a health perspective. And I think that's the point that we're sort of <laughs> sick of making is that the health thing it's useful for some people. It can it's a tool in our toolbox. But it's not the be all end all, and we're we're gonna lose people, and we're gonna fail the animals if that is the way that the only way we choose to advocate veganism. It, it makes me think about, um, you know, I was talking about like a raw foods diet with someone like many years ago, and I was kind of looking into that stuff, and the person said, you know, I'm not sure if a raw food, you know, plant based diet is healthier because it's raw or just because you're eating a bunch of vegetables? Like, does it really need to be uncooked? <laughs> Would you have almost the same benefits if you cooked those foods, but without oil or whatever it is? It's like, I don't know. I can't say that there's such a huge significant benefit to the fact that you ate your broccoli raw instead of steamed it a little bit. And so is it kind of missing the point when they're not addressing the differences in this, the myriad of ways that you can eat as a vegan or non-vegan? Prepare for the emails. Oh, my God. I know. They're coming in. They're coming in. Send them um, in. Bury me in emails. And I just wanted to highlight, the the I think, the glowing example of what you said, which is our main critique of all these types of films. Like, I, I think no other point exemplifies it than when it's... So, like we were saying, it, it kind of follows a few, including the director, a few different people that are kind of going to this one husband wife doctors that that like help them eat vegan they're consistently taking all their you know like their cholesterol and stuff like that throughout the journey and then there's the big reveal at the end but one of the guys that that it, it follows from what the, obviously the, i'm sure that this is out of context but from what it makes it seem like is this guy visited these doctors and in their first visit, which is what you're seeing, the doctor's like, all right, you're going to stop all your medications right now and you're going to get off all. And there's a scene before, a lengthy scene of him going through all the different medications he's taking. And it's it's quite a few. It's like almost a dozen. And the doctor's just and again, this might be taken out of context, but the way that the movie is trying to present it is that the doctor literally says, all right, I want you to stop taking all of these medications I, I took it as him saying, your goal is to get off of these medications. I, I didn't take it as him saying, here's your first appointment. Now stop taking these medications right now. Oh, I feel like I, I rewound it and and I, I thought that's what... And, and it was tricky because it was like a... You know, it's not one long continuous shot. It's cuts of shots. And from what I heard, I thought that he was saying, you're going to stop them. And then later on in the movie, the guy says oh, I still haven't taken, it's been nine weeks and I still haven't taken any of my medications or something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess the fact that we're even having this discussion means that the film didn't do a good enough job laying that out flat and that, yeah, that could be a dangerous thing. Someone, someone just starts doing this and is like, you know what, I'm going to eat a bunch of vegetables and get off my medication right this second. Yeah, that could be a dangerous thing. Yeah, and the other thing I wanted to say was 
Did you think, Andy, I, I don't know if this would maybe deter people from relating to the movie at all, but all of the, I guess you could call them the case studies, all of the people that they follow throughout the movie, It's it seems to me like it's all people who are in, I guess, like extreme situations maybe like the first time that the first time that the they all get their cholesterol measured it all has reaction shots of them being like oh my god this is so high this is so high <laughs> and then Caldwell Esselstyn his his group of people that he's working with it, some of them you know were given months to live at that point it's all very extreme situations do you think and I, I'm this I don't have an answer to this I just thought it was an interesting point do you think that that could prevent people who are just like not on a vegan diet and are just watching this movie being like well i'm i think i'm doing okay right now i don't i don't think i have any need to like i don't feel a need to change my diet i don't say as like as far as someone's watching this movie being like as far as i know i'm not i don't i'm not gonna have a heart attack anytime soon so why would i this movie is only playing for those people who are at risk of these things type of deal yeah, I mean that. I'd say that's certainly possible. I, I suppose that this is not a film for the twenty-year-old that's doing relatively well. I don't think that this is necessarily going to be a film that speaks to them. We all, you know, we all tend to think of ourselves as like this these invincible youth, you know, when we're younger, and I would, I'll deal with that in fifty years when it comes. But right now, I'm going to have fun. And I'm going to eat the food that I want. So, yeah, I think this is probably a film geared towards an older crowd. And I, I think that, f- you know, not everyone's on 12 medications for blood pressure and, and a few other ailments. But, I mean, when when they went over that, that first gentleman who was the first case studies list of grievances and it was 27 things long and it was like insomnia, black stool, diarrhea up at night all of like this like list of things and you're like good lord like that. yeah so yeah i think a lot of people wouldn't relate to that but i do think a lot of people fear mortality fear the aging process and you know once people get to be maybe 40 plus this is probably a message that's a little more relevant to them yeah and i think to some extent the film is also trying to scare you into adopting a plant-based diet in, in some ways as to being like, you will get these things no matter what you are at right now, these things will happen to you if you continue to eat this type of food. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's definitely very scare tactic for sure. Yeah. So you had mentioned before about the lack of the term vegan. I think vegan is used once from Mac Danzig the ufc fighter did gene bauer say it ever no and i i i specifically wrote a note down where i said i thought it was interesting that gene bauer uses the term plant-based because he says plant-based and i'm like i bet that the director asked him to say plant-based because to me he seems like someone that would use the word vegan Mm -hmm. and and on that on a similar note there was there was definitely a lack of and obviously this is not what the movie's trying to do but there's a lack of the you know the the animal ethics involved in all this stuff there was though uh T Colin Campbell says something at some point that borders on animal ethics when he says when they're they're what they're, they're him and the director are watching a bunch of cows graze and he says 
the, the, the director i don't know why the director asked this question the director says why are they eating grass or something like that and <laughs> t colin campbell answers like this is the last time this is the last time in their life they'll ever be outside or something like that and and it was the only thing that kind of bordered on animal ethics uh from from our, our boy Tupac. but yeah. i think mac danzig kind of also borders on talking about it a little bit and that was mostly it yeah i would say about i think it was about 15 20 minutes before the end of the film the film's like an hour and 36 minutes you can do the math on that (laughs) there is like this like two minute animal rights section where they mostly talk about the environmental destruction that happens from animal agriculture and then yeah there is that moment with uh t-pock where he says yeah they keep them pregnant you know so they can keep making milk in this last time all all of that stuff that you were just saying Uh, and then but they do like gene bauer kind of brings it up that it's better for the for the animals and and this this whole little animal rights section when i first saw it i was like i wish that they expanded upon this a lot more because that's what what i think people need to hear obviously people need to hear different things but uh, this time watching it i thought it feels really shoehorned in and i think that the problem that a lot of people have with the film is that it feels very biased. And so I almost think that including that will confirm to people that this film is biased and pushing an agenda for a reason other than what it's trying to say up front, that it's just about, we're just trying to figure out the best way for you to eat, to make you feel healthy. Oh, also these animals are dying because of you, you jerk and the, the environment. <laughs> and, and I almost feel like it shouldn't have been in there at all. Am I, do you think I'm totally off base on that? I mean, if it wasn't in there at all, we would be sitting here saying, and it wasn't in there at all. And that's one of our problems with this movie. <laughs> that's true. But I think that the way that, that T. Colin Campbell, that that little thing, that subtle thing, just the way that in Cowspiracy, there was all these like subtle lines that were included that didn't feel like it was ha- hammering over the head. I feel like that little scene with them watching the cows was more felt more natural and more interesting to me than this this little segment that felt really shoehorned in because it was just like, here's environmental destruction and we're back to teeth con Campbell on his bicycle. <laughs> and you know, it just, it, it, I don't know. It didn't work for me. Yeah. No, I, I get you. I get you. I, I, I think I'm glad that they said it to any extent. I would rather have them say it like they did than not say it at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, I agree with you that it could have been done differently, but so could, 10,000 different things about this movie, but overall I still enjoyed watching let's, it. Let's make a list, Paul. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I guess I just wish it was a little more artfully put in there so it felt a little more natural and not as obvious. Yeah. I like subtle. I like subtle advocacy, Paul. <laughs> Any other pros or cons about this movie? Well, so so I I guess we've talked enough about the inclusion of oil and sugar you know, I, again, I feel like that was a lot of people's critiques was like, well, it wasn't saying that it was just because, or they're saying it's just because of the meat, but it's also oil and sugar. But the film is saying that, but it just isn't the impression that you leave with. You don't leave with the impression of the oil and the sugar. And so I guess I wish the film kind of talked about that, about how it's all these things in concert with each other. That's not just one thing. And, and 
T. Colin Campbell does address that a little bit when he's like, when we're looking at the study of nutrition, it's not one, it's not protein. It's not just fiber. It's like all these things. And I wish they kind of translated that over into the messaging about the oil and the sugar as well. So that would shut down some of the, the critiques that happened. But isn't the way to do that the way that these other movies do it, that then we find critiques about how they're too hard on oil and sugar? Well, I don't, I don't think they had to like hammer home the oil and sugar, but I think sort of addressing the fact that like, well, you might say it's just because they got rid of these things, which we know to be bad for us, but in actuality, it's all of these things. And here's how meat consumption interacts with sugar or whatever it might be. Again, it's sort of what I was hoping for with them sort of knocking down any of the rebuttals that they knew would be coming. And I don't yeah. think that I don't, I just don't think that they did that. Yeah. But I do agree with you that overall it, it was not particularly food shamey. Um, I, I don't think the food that they did show looked particularly appetizing most of the time. Well, I, I thought what I thought was interesting was this movie seemed like it would it was going to do what a lot of other movies do, which is literally have a segment of either. Occasionally, there's a movie that has a, a small cooking lesson or uh-huh. like a legit recipe that they give. But not even that, but just kind of like literally here are the names of some foods but they didn't even really name foods you know they were just saying you are going to eat whole whole food plant-based diet they never really said oh here's and i will say this you said it's not appetizing andy at the very end of the movie when they're all gathered around that table there's a a dang good looking stuffed pepper on that on that table it was a no it was a stuffed squash and i'm just uh, not a big squash man excuse excuse me (laughs) But, you know, even I expected them to be they, I expected them to say even something as little as, oh, look at this delicious stuffed squash or something like that, where they literally name foods. But they didn't even kind of give any examples of foods. Not that not that I can think of. Maybe I'm just forgetting them. Yeah. And I actually remember that being a critique that I left the very first time that I watched it was it doesn't tell you the how enough. And I think a lot of people are lost. To their credit, they have a website with a lot of resources. They've put out yeah. lots of Fork Server Knife cookbooks. They're certainly capitalizing on this. And then uh, there's also, we haven't even talked about him yet, but there's Rip Esselstyn with the Engine 2 diet. and yeah. uh, Real he, men eat plants. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about that for sure. <laughs> I want to talk about that for sure. But so they're definitely working to offer resources, even if they are capitalizing off of it. But I don't know. I guess I wish there was a little bit more of that in there. Just to, like you said, a little a little throwaway line here and there to kind of give people more of an impression of what they can eat, I, I yeah. think would have been good. Yeah, like even speciesism had that kind of throwaway section of let's go to this this one random restaurant and show you three dishes from it. Yeah, exactly. So they didn't they didn't food shame, which I which I for the most part, they didn't food shame, which I appreciated, but they certainly body shamed Paul. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of body shaming. Uh, the first headless fatty comes in at one minute and 40 seconds into the documentary and then are shown throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we've talked about that in previous episodes. I'll, I'll link to an article all about why the headless fatty is uh, a really negative stigmatizing thing to show in media, but you know, essentially showing people like negative images of fat people, which, you know, very dehumanizing, just cut off the head of someone. 
uh, if they see themselves in that, they know it's them. But yeah, that that like these negative images of fat bodies in the media just sort of contribute to this overall stigma, and it just sort of reinforces a lot of the the shaming issues that are out there. And so that was out there a lot. They they definitely harped on body weight a lot. And it was interesting because at one point in one of the final checkups and one of the case studies, the the doctor, I'm forgetting his name, but he says like, yeah, the numbers look good, but this is about more than just the numbers, which I kind of took to interpret as like, it's not just like your weight going down. It's there's like all these other things. It's really about how do you feel? And I, I kind of wish that they didn't harp on weight so much in this film. I know a lot of people are interested in, in that and they associate vegans with weight loss, blah, blah, blah. Make me throw up in my mouth, but like I, they could have done without that. And it's kind of like Cowspiracy. They got the fat shaming out of the way early or not Cowspiracy. What the health focused a lot more on like heart health and diabetes or, or things like that. Like they didn't harp on the weight. They still did, but not as much. And this film was like really hammering that home. That that line that you just brought up of the doctor at the end, I actually wasn't sure how to take that line because when he said it, my ears perked up when he said, oh, I don't want you to focus on the numbers because then it followed with like, I want you to focus on what you look like or something like that. And he was like, what I want you to focus on is the comparison, like the side by side pictures. So I wasn't sure how to kind of, how to take whether that was a good thing or a bad thing, because I agree with you that I appreciated him saying, I don't want you to focus on the numbers, but I also didn't want the message to be, it, it only matters if you look better, if you look thinner, like that's the thing that matters, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're definitely, you're definitely right. I think this film is not, not even close to handling that issue. Well, are there any health documentaries that we've kind of thought that they've handled that situation? Well, not not particularly. I don't think so. And yeah. and certainly not was it the the yo-yo effect that's coming out that's all about weight loss and veganism and all that stuff, so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm waiting. I'm waiting for like the documentary made by like Ginny Messina or something that's just like mm-hmm. very well balanced and acknowledges some vegans are fat and some vegans get cancer and all of these things. Yeah, the with the cancer, there was one T. Colin Campbell line where he said something along the lines of only one or two percent of cancer is due to your genes, and I was like, "Ooh, that's a." <laughs> I, I like. I feel like one. That was that was my forks over knives moment in the, in the same way that I had the moment in what the health where they started saying diabetes is not caused by sugar. That was my moment where I was like. I buy into a lot of what these people are saying, but I'm not sure if that's true. <laughs> not that I have any basis to to accept or reject that. Yeah. But then two, I feel like that just like would make someone feel like shit if if they're vegan and they have cancer or if they're not vegan and they get cancer and you're like, hey, hey, you know this terrible thing that's happening to you? This is all your fault and like you're responsible for this. It's kind of a shitty thing to say. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely sucks. Something that I was thinking about while we're sort of on this, this the like sugar and oil train, one last thing I wanted to say about it was, you know, I worry that this film is promoting a, a highly restrictive version of veganism, which I feel like we see time and time again as something that really backfires because people feel so constrained by it. 
and they they think oh i can never have a donut again i can never have chips again and these are things that bring me pleasure occasionally and i can never do them again and then people just sort of it really backfires and then they just go fully in the other direction and 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 then write their their essay on why veganism doesn't work for them and all of these things and i worry that films like this sort of you know create that oil free army of people that go around food shaming people and 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 having this negative backfire effect as well yeah i think you are right to worry about that andy <laughs> okay um something that uh i thought was kind of interesting I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this paul they use a lot of animal testing in this film mm, to, i did to, think about that to <laughs> nice to sort of prove their points i actually read a really interesting essay that was all about some of the rat studies where they fed them 5% protein, 20% protein and their mortality rates and all of these things and how the way it's presented in the film, they, they, they claim is, is very misleading and they actually zoom in on a shot of the study that they show in the film that actually in, in the film, they show this on the study that says the rats that were fed the higher rates of protein, even though they had like worse off livers or something, they actually lived at a much higher rate than the rats that were fed lower rates of protein. Hmm. And, and, and things like that, that I miss. And again, these are the things where I go, I just, I just don't know. I don't know how to prove one thing one way or the other. We know eating fruits and vegetables is good for you, you know, and that like eating plant-based foods is good for you. Yeah. And and when and it's like hard for me to ever really feel confident digging into the minutia of of these like health based studies cuz I I mean I'm not equipped to interpret them and then I look towards the people that are equipped to interpret them and then there's always five other people telling them telling me that their interpretation is wrong. <laughs> I think so I'm like I yeah. don't know what to believe. We just know fruits and vegetables are good for you. But anyway, t- to my point do you feel like it's a conflict of interest to include animal studies in a film like this? Or or should I say, does it reinforce veganism as a diet and not something that cares about animals at all? I, I do want to answer that question, but I also want to respond to something else that you brought up, which was classic Paul fashion, which was <laughs> that I am always in any documentary, whether or not I'm for the thing or against the thing, I'm always so skeptical about like infographics or graphs or anything like that or charts because it's so easy to take any any bar graph and just change the numbers on the axes change the scale of it to make it look like either it was a big change or it was not a big change for instance the they talk about i think it was in in was it in norway yeah. how yeah. how it was the the the, the rate of I, f- I don't remember if it was a heart disease or a specific type of cancer or something was increasing, increasing, increasing. And then when the Nazis came in and took all their meat, they showed it was like, oh, now it's consistently decreasing every year. But if you look <laughs> on the side, it's like the numbers of people. It wasn't it wasn't increasing from, you know, 50 to 100. It was increasing from like 30 to 31 to 32 and then back down to 30 and then back down to 29 granted it was i think it i read it i think it was per 1000 sorry per 100,000 people it was per so, 10,000 per 10,000 people so it's still a decent amount of people but like you could take that same graph and just make the scale really really small 
and it would make the graph look like it was this huge difference. And then you could take the same graph and make the scale really, really large. And then it'll make it look like there's virtually no difference. It's like, however you want to present the data, but then in terms of these more these like really scientific studies like the china study or like the stuff that you're talking about with the rats it's just i i agree with you andy that it's hard to know when someone's telling you you kind of just have to take what they say on you know like on faith and and that what they're telling you is actually significant because these studies should be going through tests to measure whether or not their results are statistically significant but it would be so boring in a documentary to talk about that stuff so i'm you know i'm almost glad that they don't talk about it because that would be boring as shit to go into the like the details about whether something is statistically significant but you would hope that they're only gonna be talking about their stuff if they do find that it's statistically significant um i don't know where i was going with this but but i i guess I, I get what you're saying which is which is do these tests do these studies even matter blah 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 and then in terms of now answering your actual question in terms of the well, ethics, let, let me let me actually respond to your oh, oh okay <laughs> not, not even respond <laughs> but sort of add on that yeah i when i saw the graph that was like hey the nazis came in and took away the meat i was almost waiting for them to be like thanks nazis but this <laughs> is such a it's like i guess that you know it's a one of the few examples in history where they're like a group came in and took away the meat but it's just like such a weird thing because i don't know it's very weird weird example but yeah upon re-examining when you're like oh it just what they show is the rates of heart disease i think that was it like just dropped just dropped down and you're like yeah it's six people per ten thousand less and again, if that's someone that you care about, obviously that's, you know, even one one less is significant for a lot of people and, the, you know, their loved ones. But the way it's presented, before I actually looked over at the, you know, what what is actually measuring, like the number of people, I was like, oh, wow, like thousands less people died or like tens of thousands of less people died because of this. This looks like such a significant thing. I don't know what the population of Norway is, but it yeah it it looks like something that is more significant than it potentially is and then also i was reading one article that was talking about how it's ob- of course it's more complicated than just the nazis came in and took the meat and the dairy from them and all this stuff happened and there there's like a whole chart that shows the different the increase of various foods and the the rate of fish that they ate went up 200% during that time hmm and a lot of people in their debunkings were like, well, what about fish? Fish is good. Fish is good. And I wish that this film was like, people think fish and chicken is healthy, but actually it's not because of this. And it doesn't do that. It yeah, leaves all these fa- holes for people to crawl through and forget what happened in the film. <laughs> and in fact, for any time, not any time, but for the most part, whenever it's talking about the big bad meat, it's showing like a big hunk of steak or uh, like a McDonald's burger or something like that. It never does show like, oh, and here's some grilled salmon or here's a chicken, like chicken breast or something like that. Yeah. The, the things that are classically associated with the healthy meats. Yeah. So I think that's probably a great failing in the film. Yeah. Um, but anyway, answer my question about animal testing, Paul. <laughs> Gosh, dang it. So it's, I don't really have a, like a solid answer for this because I don't know. I'm not in this field of medical research and I definitely wasn't in this field of medical research 50 years ago. So it's like, I don't know how you would go about even 
testing these sorts of things back then or now. And, and since I imagine that, and, and I'm not, I'm certainly not agreeing with this, but I imagine that that's kind of, at least at that point, that was the norm of how you would test these sorts of things that if those people, maybe they did, I, I don't know, maybe they did have these ethical dilemmas when they were going to do this testing. And they said, well, if, if I do this testing, then it will be validated because I'm doing it with these methods and then it will reach so many more people versus if I don't use these methods and I just make this claim, people will say, well, you wouldn't do the testing, so we're not going to believe you. I don't know if they even considered that sorts of things. I'm just speculating, but I guess it's tough for me because I don't know, I don't know enough about how those things work, how, how you need, like how to get validated within the scientific community, what other ways they could have tested for that specific sort of thing. But I guess to answer your question or a different one of your questions, which was, should they have included that in the movie? I like that was certainly when I think back about forks over knives, that moment I feel like is one of the moments that they want you to take away with remembering. And that's um, Caldwell Esselstyn being like, Oh, you could literally turn on and off cancer. Like, I feel like that's in the trailer. I feel yep. like that's one of the moments that they really want to hit home. And for that reason, I think if this was any sort of, if in the editing room they were like, should we include this? Should we not include this? I feel like they ultimately decided to include it because they're like, we need people to buy into this this one fact. And in order to get them to buy into the fact, we need to show them that this study was done. So I feel like that's why they included it in the movie. Um, otherwise, because if it was just some other less lesser point, I feel like they could have just said the conclusion. They could have said, we did a study that showed that blah, 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 and they wouldn't need to go into detail. But because this was such a big, crucial moment for the for the Esselstyn T. Colin Campbell journey, I feel like they needed to back it up with what it was actually backed with. And they weren't going to, you know, fabricate with what the the actual backing to it was yeah i'm not sure exactly how they would work around that in this film but it is something that makes it hard for me to feel okay recommending this film to anyone even though i think it's one of the better plant-based food documentaries out there it it because it it reinforces animal use and it makes it veganism like basically purely about food and not anything else and it sort of subtly says that well if it's for the good of humans and we can learn this health thing it's okay to use animals and it's it's really hard for me to you know even if they acknowledge that you know actually testing on animals is reprehensible but it was a different time and we learned this even something like that might might help reinforce like a a more rights-based message but it's to me, it does a lot of harm to include these kind of tests because it's just something we don't think about. I don't think I even thought about it as a vegan when I first watched it. And it's just sort of this thing that's in there that normalizes the use of animals. Yeah. And something interesting also to think about that. I don't I don't think this is as bad as including it in the film. But I mean, in other movies like What the Health, where they they are discussing these sorts of things, I'm sure that many of the conclusions that these that the the doctors are coming to are based off of animal-based research. You know what I mean? 
like it would uh, it would not surprise me if if a lot of these conclusions that they're coming to are and and they don't include it necessarily in the film which i think as for in terms of the impact on the viewer i think that that's an important distinction uh because like you said the fact that they include it in this film normalizes it more and so i'm glad that if that is the case that they didn't include it in some of these other movies in some of these other films but i'm sure that a lot of those the research that those movies are basing themselves off of do have some animal use in them. Oh yeah. I, I'm sure I have no doubt. So I don't know. I don't know how they get around that. If they're trying to present the health based argument other than presenting anecdotal cases of humans. Yeah. <sighs> All right, Paul, <sighs> let's, oh, Andy. let's talk about the uh, sexual politics in this film. Okay. Uh, <laughs> first one is doug lyle wait who is the, who is this he's the guy that explains the pleasure trap and there's like the analogy oh. of the shark swimming through the ocean mm-hmm. and the little animation there and he's sort of explaining how there's these these things in nature that are they're pleasurable to us because they're things that we need so for instance in terms of food sugar sort of signals to our brain this is something that gives you a lot of cal- caloric reward for not a lot of work and that's good and that's why you're going to seek it out same with like fat and all those things and of course sex pleasurable because it's necessary for the procreation and and proliferation of the species and he says so the shark is just swimming around with a sign that says food sex food sex food sex unless it's a male and then it says sex food sex food (laughs) and i was just like oh that that was like that was that moment was the the movie watching equivalent of like your weird uncle at dinner, <laughs> like at a family dinner, being like, "Oh God, he's gonna say something weird," and then he says that, and you're like, "Oh, yeah." It's not even like a bad dad joke; is like a bad, weird, estranged uncle joke. I was <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> just like, "Ugh." I'm sure if that was in a the theater, that would get a big laugh from the crowd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just like, "Oh, men are different than women." Whomp. Like, come on, <laughs> we're so much better. It's such a weird thing for them to include. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the other one, of course, is what you mentioned regarding Rip Esselstyn. It's really interesting because the little segment that we're about to talk about starts out with him questioning the association of masculinity with eating meat. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, very interesting, very interesting. And then he's <laughs> climbing up the pole saying, real men eat plants, real men eat plants. And I was like, oh, you just undid it. You just undid it all. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's almost as if his, his, it, cause you're right. They start off with, with not using these words, but I feel like questioning the, the hyper masculinity of their group of, of firefighters and, and how it's associated with eating meat. But then instead of his conclusion being like, that's bullshit. His conclusion is like, no, no, actually, you, you're more masculine if you eat plants instead. And it's just like, this was not the conclusion that I thought was going to be drawn from this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really unfortunate. And I think a missed opportunity. And, uh, I think that a film that Paul and I will probably review at some point in the future, we just saw the trailer of was, uh, from the ground up, which actually includes Carol Adams questioning mm-hmm. the association of masculinity and meat. And so I, I'm looking forward to that. Cause I want to see a film that, at least acknowledges those connections, even if it's sort of like a token inclusion of those, those sentiments. And I I feel like this film didn't need to be that, but they handled it very poorly. And with that trailer, 
like because she's in the she's in the trailer which leads yeah. me to believe that hopefully there's at least a segment on it if not one of that being one of the you know overarching kind of threads of the movie yeah yeah definitely so so that was kind of botched and then i think you know like there was this wasn't a particularly inclusive film very few women in the film i think there was pamela popper md pamela popper yep and then uh sandera nation and uh, i guess they didn't i mean you talk we mentioned the husband and wife doctor team but the wife I'm forgetting both their names, but she didn't really get much screen time. Uh, Yeah. I don't think she had any like times when it was just the camera when it was like interviewing her. Yeah. It was like, I think it was a documentary called crude. That was all about oil in, I want to say South America and stings (laughs) wife is in it. And they just yeah. refer to her as Sting's wife, so I don't even know what her <laughs> name is. But they just like introduce Sting, Sting's wife, and you're like, "What? Like, what's, oh my god, what's going on?" So there's like a few women in like supporting roles in this, but they're they're not, you know, it's 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 T and in Esselstyn's you know show, but yeah, and, and and you know, and the first time you see a person of color is about you know 35 minutes in. It's Terry Mason. He's the only doctor of of color, right? I think so. I guess that's the risk you run when you don't include a bunch of a bunch of talking heads that like you have less opportunity to have a diversity of voices. But that's another thing that the film definitely falls short on. Yeah, I did appreciate his talking about and and this is another part where I'm glad that they mentioned it. Wish they delved into it further. But I think he mentioned specifically he says something like about poor communities lack of accessibility to healthier foods yeah I'm, I'm glad it was mentioned i wish they went further into that but at least they talked about it yeah yeah it felt underexplored but again i'm yeah i'm glad they acknowledged it mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so paul you, you knew mm-hmm. this was coming would you recommend this film who do you think this is for would anyone benefit from seeing this film i think <laughs> so watching this now makes me want to watch a couple of the other <laughs> health ones to, to to be like which is the one that I should recommend yeah because i think i would still recommend this one i i think i think that this was still part of the you know the earthlings forks over knives cowspiracy trifecta of vegan movies that that's that that are recommended i i worry that at this point it's it's old enough that people who are skeptical will automatically go into it go into it saying this is not true just because it's outdated i worry about that but i do think that this is a movie that i would recommend along with those other two movies along with either watching the movie with the person or having discussions before and after with the person yeah I, I, I guess it's in, in some situations it's tough if you're doing advocacy like leafleting and someone asks you about this type of like asks you if there's any of these types of movies out. I guess I might still recommend it and quickly give them, you know, like a, a, a few of the, what, what we talked about in this, like a few of our skeptical uh comments on how they talk about weight and fat shaming and stuff like that i might try to get that to them before they watch it if it's not someone that i'm going to be able to have a discussion with after they watch it but i think overall i would still recommend this movie 
Yeah, I think that with this film being old enough, coming out in 2011, seven, seven years ago, that, yes, people might say, oh, it's outdated, so it's not accurate anymore. But I also think that because there are now so many sources talking about this film from, like, the science perspective, from the health perspective – that there's so much confusion around it that if someone watches it and then doesn't want to believe it and then wants to find sources telling them the whole film is crap and you shouldn't, they can easily find a litany of sources that reinforce that very thing. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost hard because I feel like it's something that is, is flawed. And if it's someone that's just like, I I just want to be inspired and I'm on board pretty much, but I need someone to give me that final push. I think in that instance, it could be helpful. But I think for like the skeptical film goer, I don't know if it's something that I could really wholeheartedly recommend. But again, I'm at a loss to provide an alternative that's going to talk about this specific angle yeah. of plant-based eating. So so maybe it still would be, but because it, it subtly reinforces animal use with the, the animal testing angle and be, because there's just so many debunkings of the science out there. We didn't even talk about the China study, but oh boy, is there a lot of stuff out there telling people <laughs> that that is not accurate and again, what to believe. But, but there's enough doubt out there that I, I think it's not the ironclad case that we, that I want it to be. Yeah. So <laughs> we did it, Paul. We did it. <laughs> we made it through. You know, something that, that you mentioned to me is that right as this film ended, Netflix was like, you need to watch Rotten right now. <laughs> it, it was like the last scene of the movie is a lot of the people that they follow in the movie all around the same table eating, which I I enjoyed that a lot because a lot of these people the whole, throughout the whole movie, you're like, these people would have no reason to know each other. And I'm like, oh, they're all eating meals at they're the getting, end. they in the gang together. Yeah. But while it was still a shot of them eating, Netflix was like, it did the thing where in, if you're watching a show, you know, it'd be like, you want to watch the next episode now? Or, or like, we recommend you watch this thing instead. And it was like, you need to watch Rotten. <laughs> So yeah, Rotten is, I think it's a six-part series about food. It's not just about animal-based foods, but uh, thinking about giving that a review. So if you made it through this one, you're looking, you're hungry for more, so to speak. Uh, let us know if you want us to do a little review of Rotten. We are only a film review podcast now. <laughs> it's my dream come true. <laughs> no, I, I, Paul, I am, I'm really excited to start to talk about other things other than film. I'm sure our listeners are as well. Yeah, so, me too. Especially because these weren't particularly current. But I'm glad, I'm glad that we did it. I have, I have mm-hmm. more thoughts on this, this break that we'll, uh, we'll talk about in our next episode when we're back to our regular format. But I'm excited for that. I'm excited for that. So make sure you send us your thoughts on this review on this film, thebeardedvegans at gmail.com. You can also send in any questions, comments, or concerns to be answered on the next mailbag episode. Leave that iTunes review to get entered into the contest forever. You're forever entered. And uh, and that that's it. That's it. Andy. Yes, Paul. For the first time in, in a long time, what do you got coming up? Oh, I'm so excited because I get to hit the road soon. And February 24th, I'm going to be at the PHX Vegan Food Festival in Phoenix, Arizona. It'll be my second Ooh. time there. It was a lot of fun last year. So 
for all you beardos out in, in Phoenix, please come out to the Compassion Company table. That's where I'll be. Say what's up, beardo, and you'll get yourself a button and a sticker, or maybe and or if I'm if I'm out of one. But uh, <laughs> excited to see some some beardos in person yet again. Yet again, back on that grind. Back on that grind. It never ends. <laughs> uh, you know, Paul. Something that I really appreciate about this film was all the archival footage. I don't know what it is, but like all the old like McDonald's from the seventies footage makes me <laughs> wistful for like a happy meal. But I love, I love seeing hunky T Colin Campbell as a young man, handsome young man. <laughs> but it, it, there was this one really weird moment where <laughs> it's like a still picture and, and, and he just turns and looks dead at the camera in this still picture. And he says the following seven words. We are the bearded vegans signing off. He says they keep them pregnant, 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 <laughs> pregnant. And I actually just read a really interesting essay that was all about that the rat study Esselstyn is Doug Lyle, or uh, as uh, Alan Schwarzenegger would call him, Doug Lyle. <laughs> there, that I, I think it's not an iron, it's not the iron, cl- cl- blah, blah, blah. 